But today we're continuing our message series called Profound Stories. And Jesus often taught through the use of, of stories, commonly called parables, that have profound spiritual meaning. This morning we're going to look at three stories in our message which is entitled Lost and Found. And in each of these stories, the main focus of the story is something or someone that is either lost or found. Now, as we mentioned in, in some other stories that Jesus taught, every person is in one of two spiritual categories. In this series of parables, they're either going to be lost or found. Other labels that we've had for these two categories are saved and unsaved, uh, unbeliever or believer, child of God, not a child of God. And what Jesus is teaching us is that people are not in half in one category and half in the other. You're either in one category or you're in the other. Just as an object, it's either lost or found. You don't have an object that's half lost and half found. It's either lost or found and people are the same. Now everyone starts out by the time they know right from wrong by being lost. Being lost spiritually. God's Word tells us in Romans 3.23, you can follow along in the white page. It has the outline and the verses written out as well as on the screen. It says, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might want to circle that word all. It's, there's no exceptions. All have sinned. Our sin separates us from God. And so what does it mean we're lost? It means that we are lost from the presence of God. We are lost from a relationship with God. And what did Jesus come to do? Well, Luke 19 says, 10 says, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission, to find the lost and bring them into God's family. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish or be lost but that all should reach repentance. And if we read that whole passage in context, which we don't have time this morning, this verse explains why Jesus has not yet returned to this earth. He promised when he ascended into heaven that he was going to come again, but he has not yet returned. Why not? Well, when Jesus returns, the time to believe in him will be over. When he returns... The state that every person is in, whether they're lost or found, will be their permanent eternal state. There's no more time to make a decision. And so this verse explains that Jesus has not come back yet because he's giving more time for people to repent and believe in him. If they don't, they're going to perish, spend eternity in hell. But God doesn't want to send anyone there. But if they refuse to believe, that will be their fate. And so if you're a believer here today, you're a found person. And then your purpose in life is to, is to follow Jesus in what he is doing. And his mission is seeking and saving the lost. It's the same today as it was when he came the first time. Philippians 2.15 talks about believers as found people. It says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. 
And so as a found person, as a believer, we are to shine as lights in a dark world. Jesus said he came as the light of the world, and we are to shine as lights in a dark place. If you're not sure this morning, if you're a found person or a believer, then, then most likely you're still lost if you don't know Jesus Christ. But as we go through Jesus' teaching today, I pray that God would speak to your heart about how much he loves you, how much he desires for you to come into his family. Now, the three stories that we're going to talk about today are found in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus told these stories in rapid fire, one right after the other. They're all taught by Jesus on one occasion. They all have something to do with being lost and found. But each story brings out another aspect Another important principle that Jesus wants us to, to comprehend. Now, these stories of Jesus are aimed at, what, at describing what his, his purpose was and by extension what our purpose as believers should be as well in the world today. We are to search for those who wander. And so the setting for these stories is is described for us in verse 1 of Luke 15. Luke says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, that's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, the lost in this, uh, in this episode are described as tax collectors and sinners. They wanted to hear Jesus' teaching. They liked to hear what he had to say. Tax collectors were especially despised by the Jews because, first of all, they were tax collectors. They collected taxes for the Romans, who were the um, invading force. Not only were they disliked because they collected taxes, but they were able to charge as much as they wanted, even more than the taxes that were due. And so they made huge profits and ended up usually being very, very rich. Now, Jesus loved and had compassion for these tax collectors, and other sinners as well. And so the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and scribes, they didn't like it. They thought that a true Jew should separate himself from all contact with sinners. They considered sinners to be unclean. If you got near to them, you were contaminated. You might become unclean too. They didn't want to talk to them. They didn't want to be around them. They didn't want to eat with them. And yet we see that's what Jesus did. Over and over again. Throughout his ministry, he talked to sinners. He ate with them. He showed his love for them. Jesus wasn't contaminated by the sinners. He brought the sinners to God. He was seeking the lost. And so Jesus' association with these sinners was his way of searching for those who were wandering away from God. He was showing God's love to lost people. So his first story begins in verse 3. It says, so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So in this first story, Jesus told us that there was a shepherd. The shepherd had a hundred sheep. And in this story, the shepherd represents Jesus, who is the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And one of the hundred sheep wandered off and got lost in the wilderness. The lost sheep represents the sinners that Jesus talked to, that he ate with. Now, the shepherd 
could have reasoned, but he doesn't reason this way. He could have said to himself, well, I've got 99 sheep. What does the loss of one really hurt? It's only 1%. It's only one little sheep. It's going to take a lot of work to go after this lost sheep. Why should I do it? Maybe I should just let him go. You know, this sheep shouldn't have wandered off anyhow. Not a very smart sheep. Maybe I, I don't want this sheep. Serves him right. But that's not what the shepherd did. That's not how the shepherd thought. That wasn't the shepherd's attitude. The shepherd loved. He, he cared about all of his sheep. And this one lost sheep, he especially wanted to bring it back into the fold. And so he left the 99 and went off into the wilderness searching for the one lost sheep. And Jesus is saying that's what he's doing for, for sinners. He's going after them. He's searching for them. He's seeking them to bring them back into the sheepfold, back into a relationship with himself and the Father. And so Jesus is making the lost a priority in his life and mission. He continues the story in verse 5. He says, when he has found it, the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And so the task of finding this lost sheep was more important to the shepherd, was more important to Jesus, than staying with the 99. The 99 were safe. They could stay there until the shepherd returned. But the job of finding the lost sheep was urgent, and it was a priority. Why was it urgent? Well, a lost sheep wandering in the wilderness was at risk of a number of things. It could be injured. It could fall into a chasm. It could fall off a cliff. It didn't know where to find food or drink. It could starve. There could be threats from wolves, thieves. And so searching for the lost was a priority of the shepherd and of Jesus. Now, when the shepherd found the lost sheep, he was filled with joy. He rejoiced, so much so that he called together all his friends and neighbors so that they could rejoice together with him. And Jesus adds in the next verse, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so for the sheep to return to the fold, it needed to repent. I'm sorry I wandered off. It was not a bright thing to do. And I want to come back to the fold. That's what the sheep would have to do in a way. And that's what a sinner has to do. He has to repent. He has to turn away from his wandering. And not only does the shepherd rejoice in this case, but all heaven rejoices. Because it's a big deal. When a lost person is found. Now, why is it such a big deal? It's a big deal because this person's eternity has been changed. His eternal destination has been changed from hell to heaven. And that's forever. That is a huge change. Now, if Jesus is doing what the shepherd was doing in this story, which is what he is doing, then we should be following as Christians, if we're believers, we should be following Jesus' example. Our priority in life should be seeking lost people and bringing them to Jesus. Now, rather than looking down on them for their sin, down on them for their wandering, we should show love and compassion for them. That's what the shepherd and Jesus' story did. That's what he is seeking to teach us. Now, sometimes, if you're like me, 
you're going to be tempted to get angry with sinners and their sin. We must hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And so this story gives us an important way to look at lost people. Instead of getting angry with them, we should consider them as a lost sheep, as a lost lamb. Pretty hard to get angry at a lost lamb in the wilderness, isn't it? They're helpless. They're defenseless. They're not able to find the right path. They're not getting fed properly. And the same is true of lost people. Lost people are defenseless against Satan's attacks. They can't find their way back to God. They're not living the life that God created them to live. Jesus had compassion on them, and we should as well. And it's our, it's our priority to search for those who wander and then rejoice when they are found and come back to the sheepfold. The next story that Jesus teaches is about seeking those that God values. This next story, Jesus emphasizes the principle that lost people have value. They have a special place in God's heart. They have a special role to fulfill in God's family. Jesus was and we should be diligently searching for the lost. The next story begins in Luke 15 verse 8. And Jesus said, oh, or what woman having ten silver coins, if one loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And so we have a woman who had ten silver coins. Most likely, this was a special collection of coins, perhaps from a dowry, and probably had special sentimental value. And now one of the ten was missing. The coin, it was a silver coin, had intrinsic value up by itself, but it was also needed to bring her collection back to ten. She only had nine. She needed ten in her collection for it to be complete. And so the woman gets some light, lights a lamp. You know, in those days, it, there wasn't a switch to flip on the lights. Lights a lamp and begins to diligently search. She searches so diligently, she gets out her broom and sweeps, you know, under the bed, wherever else it could have been. She searches and searches and doesn't stop until she finds the lost coin. Why did she search for it? Because she valued it. And then she rejoices when the lost coin are found, or is found. It says in verse 9, when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so the ending of this story is just uh, almost identical to the ending of the story with the sheep, the lost sheep. The woman calls all her friends and neighbors together to rejoice over finding the lost coin. It was a big deal. This coin had great value. Jesus again makes it clear he's talking about lost sinners. And when is a lost sinner found? He is found, he or she is found when they repent. When they turn away from their sin and turn to God. And there is joy not only on earth, but Jesus says, with the angels in heaven. And so here's an answer to the question, what are the angels in heaven doing? Well, they're having a party every time somebody gets saved. 
Jesus is seeking those whom God values, and we must do the same. Now, we've already talked about it, but let's think about why did the woman seek so diligently for the coin? And it was because it had great value to her. If the coin had no value, she wouldn't have searched for it. It would have been no great loss if it had never been found. Now, when I was a boy, sometimes I would look for lost coins. Uh, Near the place where we lived, there was a, a lot, and they used to bring in kind of these traveling carnivals to put rides and things up. And when the carnival left, I discovered you could find money on the ground uh, if you look carefully enough. And so I would look, and I would find a dime here, a nickel, a penny, and, I, and they had value to me. And I would, I would collect them. <clears throat> now today, it's a few years later, if I see a penny on the ground... I don't stoop down to pick it up anymore. It doesn't have the value to me that they, they once did. And so, let's think about ourselves and how diligently we are seeking to find the lost in our lives. If we're not seeking diligently, if it's not a high priority in our lives, why would that be? It's because we don't value the lost as Jesus did. They don't have a value to us. We don't understand how much a a lost person is is worth. The Jewish leaders did not value the sinners around them. They despised them. They simply wanted to distance themselves from them. And oftentimes we're tempted to be like those leaders. We try to keep ourselves safe and uncontaminated by lost sinners. We don't realize the value they have to God. And so we must learn to love and to value lost people as God does. God views them as lost sheep, as lost coins, and as we're going to see, as lost children. If you had a child and you lost that child, would you go after that child? Would you make that a priority? Uh, We all would do that. In the same way, God desires for us to diligently seek for the lost that are in our lives, that are in the world. In the next story, going to the third story, Jesus desires for us to learn how to pray for those who rebel. Our third story or parable begins in verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had And took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So in the first two stories, the lost thing, first of all, was a sheep. Then it was a coin. And now the stakes are raised considerably as the lost is a son. The son doesn't just wander off. The son rebels. He asks for his inheritance while his father is still living. Now, none of my children don't do that, okay? That's not a good thing to do. Uh, It wasn't wise back then. I mean, it's a very brash, a very strange thing to do. That wasn't accepted practice back then. It certainly is not accepted practice today. Dad, I'm not going to wait for you to die. I want it right now. Uh, It was very rude. It was very rebellious. 
The father could have denied the request. But he didn't. The son asked for his inheritance, and he gave it to him. The son decided not to live at home. He left home, and he didn't just move down the block. He traveled to a distant, far country, as far away as he could get. And while he was in the far country, obviously he had no accountability to his family, no accountability to his father. He began to spend his entire inheritance very quickly. I mean, this is something that his father had saved up for a lifetime, sold it very quickly, in not a good way, in wild, sinful living. Now, the father in this story really could not have known what the son was doing in the far country. He surely knew that his son had left, not on good terms. And undoubtedly, a godly father would have been praying for his son, that the son would return home, that God would work in the son's life. In the meantime, we learn from the son's experience that being lost brings misery. Story continues in verse 14, when he, that is the son that's in the far country, had spent everything, the whole inheritance was gone. In just a few short, we don't know how long it was, months, maybe a year, not a long time. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And so the son had now spent the entirety of his inheritance. He was completely broke. The living conditions in the country were not good. There was a famine, so the son found the only job he could, he could find. It was feeding pigs. Now, that isn't exactly a nice thing to put on your resume even today, right? I, you know, I... I feed pigs, they work in a pig farm, but feeding pigs was especially degrading to a Jewish man because the pigs were considered unclean. And even with his job of feeding the pigs, he still didn't have enough to eat. He was so hungry, he wanted to eat the pig food, but the pig owner wouldn't let him eat the pig food. And so the son had undoubtedly lost the friends he had. You know, when he came into this far country, he had lots of money, and if you have lots of money and you're spending it, you have lots of friends. What happens to those friends when the money goes away? When the money's all gone, they're not your friends anymore. They weren't really your friends. They just wanted the advantages of your money. And so he'd lost the friends he had with the money he had. Now he had neither friends nor money. His choices that he had made in life had brought him to misery. Now in this story, the father mainly represents God and the son those who rebel against God and are lost from his family. We're going to see that the way back to the Father is repentance again, which brings the lost into God's family. Verse 17, And when he, that is the lost son in the far country, feeding the pigs, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so the son finally came to his senses. He finally began to think rationally about his condition. 
He'd left his father in rebellion, but, but he now realized that his father's servants were in better condition than himself. And he made a choice to repent, to turn away from his sinful lifestyle and go back and confess his sin to his father. He made his choice to return and put himself under his father's authority and to serve him. Now, it's one thing to have a plan. It's one thing to think about doing something, but the son actually did the right thing. He put his plan into progress. He journeyed back to his father, and he repented. Verse 20, and he arose the son and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And then the son repents, and the father says, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So did the father rebuke the son when he came back? He said, what have you been doing? How did you spend your inheritance? No, he didn't do any of those things. He didn't rebuke his son for his wild living. He didn't rebuke his son for wasting all this money. The father had compassion on that long lost son. He hugged him with fatherly love. Brought him back into the family. Not as a servant, but as a son. And they began to celebrate the finding of this lost son. And preparing a feast for him. So in this story, we see God's, God the Father and Jesus' heart for the lost. They view Lost people as lost sons and daughters. They long to see them become part of God's family as God's children. And Jesus is teaching us that we should have the same attitude towards lost people. To see them as, for us, they're going to be lost brothers and sisters. They're lost to the family of God. We, we want to see them welcomed into the family. Every lost person is living a life of sin. Now some, the sin is more obvious for everybody to see. Some, the sin is hidden. Might be sins of the heart or hidden secret sin. But whether the sin is apparent, whether it's outward or whether it's more hidden, that sin has broken people's relationship with God. A lost person does not have a relationship with with their Heavenly Father. And the result of that broken relationship is that within the heart of every lost person, there's an empty spot, there is a vacuum that makes them miserable. Though they may try, or they do try, to ignore that empty feeling, that vacuum. They try to fill it with all kinds of things. Most of which are more sin. But it is always there. And so if there's a person that you know in your life and you know they're lost, they don't have a relationship with God, no matter what it may appear on the surface, inside, there's a vacuum, there's an empty place. They are miserable. There are times when a lost person has separated themselves from us, and we can't go after them like a lost sheep. We can't search for them like a lost coin. We need to simply pray and trust God to bring them to repentance. Having a heart of love and compassion for them and their 
lostness, knowing that deep inside their sin is making them miserable and praying that that misery would lead them to turn to God, that God would continue to work in their hearts as we pray, lead them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as we pray for those who rebel. And so in closing, let me first speak to the, to the found people who are here today, those of us who are believers. May God give us the courage and the boldness to search for those who wander from God's family. It can't be one of God's sheep wandering alone in the wilderness. We've got to bring them back into the fold, into the flock. And may God help us to see the lost as those whom God values highly. May we value them highly. You see, God valued the lost, which we all were once, so highly that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for them. The greatest price was paid that the lost might be found. That's how much God valued us. That's how much God values lost people. May God give us the compassion to pray for those who rebel, to take the time, trusting God to bring them to repentance, that we would see the lost as God sees them. And for any here today who are not sure whether you are lost or found, whether you have a relationship with God or not, if you're not sure, or maybe you, you know you're lost. If that's the case, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They know they're part of the flock. And we're going to give you an opportunity to come back into God's family. God loves you like a father loved his lost son in the story. He wants you to come to him. He's longing to embrace you and welcome you into the family. So what do we do? How do we go from being lost to being found? If you're not sure this morning or perhaps you know that you're lost. Well, you become a believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus here talks about it as repentance in this story. Repentance is simply admitting that you've done wrong, that you've sinned. And each person in their heart knows they've done wrong things. You turn away from that sin and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You believe in him. And you commit your life to following him as your shepherd, doing what he tells you to do, going the way he directs you. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'd like to ask everyone to bow their heads right now and if you've never prayed a prayer like this before, if you're not sure that you're found, if you're not sure you're one of God's sheep, if you're not hearing God's voice, then I would encourage you to pray this prayer along with me. If you made a decision in the past, but you feel like you've wandered away, this would be a good time to recommit your life to following the shepherd. Pray something like this. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I haven't been following your direction for my life. I've been doing what I wanted, not what you wanted. I repent. I turn away from those sins. I, I ask that you forgive me. I want to follow you. I put my faith and trust in you. As my Lord and Savior, I commit my life to following and obeying everything that you tell me to do from this day forward. 
And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for these stories, these three stories that Jesus told. Probably familiar stories to many of us, but to help us understand the difference between being lost and found. Help us as the found to have your heart for the lost. May we search for those who wander. May we seek those that you value. May we value them as well, and may we pray for those who rebel. Forgive us for the times we've despised those who are lost. We've looked down on them. We've not wanted to get involved with them. Give us the Father's heart of love for the lost that are all around us. God, help us to see into their hearts, to see the misery that is there that you want to replace with your peace. Give us compassion for them in the predicament that they're in. We ask for divine appointments with the lost that we might share your truth and your love with them. And we look forward to celebrating with heaven as the lost are found through our words, through our witness, and through our church family. Today we pray for missionaries uh, Jim and Helen Hall. They're helping churches in the U.S. reach and disciple people for Jesus. We pray that you'd help them in their ministry, that it would be effective and it would be fruitful. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.